On this episode, we smoke Esteban Carreras with Sean from Esteban Carreras. Welcome to Burn Line Podcast. Burn Line Podcast. The burn line on a well-crafted cigar is straight and sharp as a razor, much like our wit and wisdom. And welcome to Burn Line Podcast. Coming to you not live from the hot box, the smoky back room where tears are struck and fortunes are made, adjacent to the Blanco Lounge, nestled among the complex of rooms that comprises Union Cigar, Hanover, Pennsylvania, USA. I'm your host, Johnny Midas. Johnny Midas, I think you're the funniest when you misspeak. I never misspeak. You just said... A wizard <laughs> always speaks exactly what he intended. The back room where deers are struck? No, that ain't, that, that's out front. Yeah, yeah. In the road. And corn-fed deer up here in Pennsylvania, let me tell you something. Your car would survive it. My car would survive it. Yeah. That's awesome. We have the a guest. Beast. We have a guest today. Wow. We are smoking Esteban Carreras with the man from Esteban himself. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm ecstatic to be here. I can tell by the tone of your voice. Uh, <laughs> practiced. <laughs> practiced. All right. We just want to get that mic a little closer. Um, go ahead and shove it Is right this down. Is okay? Yeah, that's okay. We're that's good? Better. We're good. Yeah. Great. Yeah, that'll work. Well, welcome. I'm glad to have you on the show and excited to be smoking a round table of Esteban cigars today. How was the event? The event went... Nick is shaking his head in multiple different. He looks like a bobblehead right now. It I'll went. Take that as a good. The the event went. Is it? Scale one to ten. One to ten. How did it go Nick, for you? Nick, Nick said. Nick said nine and a half. Nick said nine and a half. Said All right. Yes. Half. That was yeah, a good event. That's what I heard. More people. Definitely. More people. It wouldn't. It would have been a ten. Well. All right. There we go. Uh, anyway, so uh, we've got some. Carrera cigars, and I think what we'll do is we'll uh, we'll go around and talk about the the cigar we're going to smoke, or name the cigar we're going to smoke, and then uh, as we kind of let those toast, um, you know, maybe you can talk about Esteban Carreras as a company, you know, a little bit of history there, or whatever, um, and then we can talk about the cigars we're smoking. How does that sound? Yeah, that that'd be good. All right, good deal. And uh, we've got what some uh, I've got my English breakfast tea and. Nick, you've got your iced frappe mocha soy latte <laughs> thing. Insert dab. Insert dab. And you've got black coffee. Just keep keeping it black. All right, good deal. Just we're just gonna speak directly. Yeah, right. There we go. Uh-huh. Good deal. All right, so uh, I'm Johnny Midas. This is Nick the Brick and Sean Quay. And we are smoking Espan Carrera cigars today. I am smoking the Diaz Años. And this is a box-pressed Robusto. And I'm going to go with mm, 50 by 6. Dude, it's it's slim. It's like flat-pressed. It is. It's that uh, flat oval press. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm guessing on the size. I don't know it for sure, but that's what it looks like to me. It's a... If only we had a, a good resource here to tell us. No, it's it's really too bad. We don't have anybody in the room that knows anything about these cigars. You should pull out your fucking phone. Yeah. Uh, too bad. Too bad we don't have a rep here or something. Do your phone measurement thing again. Yeah, I should do that. Yeah. See that, and then I'll tell you if you're right. Yeah. Do the phone measurement thing, and I'll tell you if you're right. Yeah. Phone measurement thing. Phone yeah, measurement you, you thing, not believe and you know if you're were. right or not because you have a certain resource. Yeah, we're uh, that, that resource is me. I'm gonna figure this shit out. All right, move iPhone to start. Okay, I'm moving it. Ooh, that can't be right. It says four and a half. It's bigger than four and a half. Well, what do you think? What is it? You tell me. What do you think? It says What's four and a half. I don't. It's not four and a half. That's a five. That's what she said. Sorry. I tried so hard. <laughs> it's five inches. Look, I which nailed is it. enough. I nailed it exactly five inches. Fifty-two. Fifty-two box press. Yeah, it looks smaller than that, but you know how they do that with the box press. Like the the foot when it expands from the heat, mm-hmm. it will. That's the gauge it'll turn into. Right. And Nick, what are you right. smoking today? 
Uh, I'm going to be having the brand new Esteban Carreras Devil's Hand Dark Corojo Limited Edition Maduro. Oh, nice. In the Toro size. Somebody needs to get with branding and find out if they can maybe put less words in that because I'm pretty sure, what was that, 17 words in that in that cigar? <laughs> less words, maybe a more. I don't know, man. It, but it sounds awesome and it looks cool. That is good looking. What is that, uh, Toro? Yeah. Plus, maybe. Six, 652. Is it? If I had to guess. Yeah, it looks like a seven. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We'll talk about this one. Obviously, they have the the OG taken from the Devil's Hand, which is like a, a little over a year old at this point. Right. Um, and then this is the newest release within, and Sean will correct me if I'm wrong, but an extra fermented aged Maduro wrapper. <clears throat> um, and we love fermentation on Burn Line. Oh, yeah. Yep. I'm fermenting right now. And um, uh, on this Diaz Años, this is a Maduro, and this is kind of your classic, like, Maduro aged, but it it has not been, like, forced to look super dark. Like, this what's is a, what a... What's a wrapper on that? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like, this... Yeah, what, what I like about this is, like, that is a great... If you're trying to teach somebody, this is what... You know, like an aged Maduro wrapper should look like. Yeah. Unless they're trying to make it look darker. Yeah. Because a lot of people confuse the, like the aging process with the coloring. You know, so like an oscuro, that's a color. A Maduro, that's an aging process. Right. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, I kind of I want to go grab like an underground Maduro. Yeah. Like other San Andreas cigars, Romeo yeah. San Andreas, because that is, dude. That's, <clears throat> I would say, oh, that's a natural wrapper. If I had to guess. That is just, this is a very light. Well, this part of the leaf, for sure. Like, as you see where it's uh, spun around here, that's more of, like, the tone I would expect, I think, by the by the foot. So. Jeez, man. Sean, Sean, what are you going to have? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, to flashback to when we were talking about our drinks, the reason I have a black coffee because I'm smoking the Covenant. Now, what's great with the Covenant that I like is its flavor profile, its body, is very different to what you typically would get, the notes you typically would get out of a Nicaraguan cigar. With the Covenant, there are more notes uh, similar to that of uh, dark chocolate, black coffee in the first third there. You get a mild pepper in the in in the back to really uh, add complexity to the smoke um, and as the cigar progresses almost distinctly from first third to second third you're going to get more of that milk chocolatiness um, and it's going to start mellowing out a bit it's not going to be as rich and robust as that first third was um, but it pairs so nicely with a nice black coffee awesome so uh, that is the covenant that is a soft box pressed toro and it is time for us to clip our cigars. I am clipping my cigar with my Perdomo single side double guillotine. And Nick has got his Drew same double guillotine with a backstop. And Sean, what are you clipping with today? I'm clipping with my um, beautiful Zycar Deep V. All right. And as always, we remind you to clip that cigar with authority. No limp-wristed clipping allowed. That will get you a nice clean cut for better cigar enjoyment. And we're going to go ahead and tap the tobacco off of the head of our cigar after clipping that. And uh, while we are doing that, I have some listener communication. And if you would like to communicate with Burnline Podcast, you can drop us a line at Podcast at gmail.com and let's see it looks like we've got one email this email is from angel no <laughs> nick definitely sounds like a gringo when pronouncing spanish words oh man thank you angel for that valuable input this is just and if you would like to haze nick send us a line burnlinepodcast at gmail.com or if you have questions, comments, cigars you'd like us to smoke, we will uh, take a look at that. And if we like it, uh, we'll pay attention. And if we don't, we won't. Uh, if you don't want us to read your 
read your email on air, please let us know in the email, preferably up at the top so I don't get, you know, like down to the bottom while reading it and realize I wasn't supposed to. Um, You're not going to let me respond to that? No, I think it was pretty straightforward. I mean, he's not wrong. I, I don't get, I don't get a, can I send an email in now and resp- No. I think Angel sounds like a, no, I can't no. do that. No. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> definitely. Angel, what uh, what do you have to say to Angel? Angel Nick sent two Rick. two emails two weeks in a row. Yeah, one email two weeks in a row. Total of two. Yep, total of two emails. Uh, the first one was about, <clears throat> um, and the second one was about me, apparently. The first one was about a little technique that we do here in the back room. Yeah, the, the hand job that we do. In the yeah, yeah, room. check this out, check this out. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Angel, this is great because you're still a fan and you're listening to the podcast. The fact that you know that I sound like a gringo means that you're tuning in every week. And that's awesome, man. Thank you for that. No, no, absolutely not. Maybe one day. Angel, Nick says Chupamipenga. All right. So we are going to go ahead and get these cigars lit. And I am using my Vertigo Quad Flame. Launch the fucking satellite into space quad torch. Uh, Nick, you've got your super fancy three flame flat flame. DBL Francisco Almonte. Yes. And that was a gift from the man himself, was it not? Yes. Awesome. And I have a vertigo tri flame. All right. So we are going to go ahead and toast these cigars up. And as usual, we remind you to gently toast the cigar. Don't. Blasted into space. Toasted, not roasted. Toasted, not roasted. Toasted, not roasted. It's toasted. I get it. Yeah, I think we talk about this almost every podcast, but like, you know, it's it's hard because I've got to cut the audio out. You know, like I I can't have fucking thirty seconds of dead air. You don't want to do we... toasted, not roasted for thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah, definitely not. Um you know, last time you talked through it, you talked through the entire toast. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. impressive. Um, but yeah, like we're, I mean, thirty seconds is actually a very fast light. I think. Yeah, I think cigar. we're. I think we're conscientious of not. I remember the first couple episodes that I came on here, and I was I was using cedar, mm-hmm. and you were making so much fun of me because it was mm-hmm. taking me four or five minutes to get my cigar lit. Building a fucking campfire over yeah, there, exactly. <clears throat> Nick the caveman. But it's like that's what it takes sometimes to, like you said, like we talk about it's it's the ritual, right, right, yeah, and and uh, you know, like we mentioned, the first couple of puffs are amazing if you toast your cigar, you know, slowly. But yeah. uh, you throw that, you jam that fucking whatever fourteen hundred degree butane flame in there and suck it up. Yeah, it's like then you then you have to let it sit, you know, or or suffer through all that char. Yeah, yeah. It, and it might never, it might never recover. To be honest with you, excuse me. It could also cause issues moving forward uh, throughout smoking the cigar, where <clears throat> you find yourself in situations where it starts to tunnel or canoe. As as you're lighting it, sometimes you, as you're, uh, I'm not even lighting, as you're torching it to hell. Uh, right, right. You don't even notice one side is more lit than the other, yeah. whatever it is, you know. And next thing you know, you're canoeing, you're tunneling because the cigar has gotten too hot, way too hot. Um, as well as, like, you know, for me, if I'm really enjoying a cigar, I don't know about the rest of the audience, but if I'm really enjoying a cigar, I'm going to be puffing that bad boy. Now, the problem with that is... Um, then it overheats. And if I already torched it to hell on top of it overheating, I'm going to find myself not really liking that cigar and then questioning as to why I don't like that cigar. And then I put the cigar down and never pick it up again. Right, right. You get that scorch. Right? Yes. Yeah. It's, which is tastes yeah. like scorch. Yeah. yeah. Which can be a problem, you know, with not being conscious of, uh, you know, toasting your cigar prior to lighting it for yep. any new cigar you light. Because that bad taste you don't like may not be the cigar's fault whatsoever. And we've just found, Nick and I have found that uh, when we stack a lot of little disciplines together, it's like an exponential effect on the enjoyment, right? So, you know, we talk about clipping with authority, but it's a real thing. Like, have a sharp cutter, you know, 
clip it with authority. Don't squeeze it until the fucking wrapper pops, you know, and then you've got that little flap or something that you're constantly tonguing the rest of the time you're trying to smoke the cigar, you know. Use the, uh, some method, like we, we uh, turn the cigar vertical with the clipped end down and tap it on the back of our hand to get all the loose tobacco. That way you're not like doing that thing, stick your, stick your thumb in your mouth and scrape your tongue, you know. And then uh, the gentle toast that just warms the, warms the tobacco up into a cherry. Um, put all those three things together and the cigar smoking experience is much, much better. But like think of think of how like even those three steps how wrong it can go, right? Sure, so you yeah. have so you have a cracked cap, mm-hmm. you're getting tobacco bits in your mouth, and you're, uh, you know, you you got the you got a burn a burn mark, you know, half an inch up one side, yeah. the other side's not lit. Your cigar's over at that yeah. point. You're not gonna like what? Right, right. You're done. Yeah, I I still think like I think the worst thing that can happen is a tunnel. Like, most of the other stuff I can recover from or come really close to. But when a cigar starts tunneling, I just, I kill it. Like, if if I got a tunnel in, like, the first inch or two of a six-inch cigar, I'll actually slide an open cutter down from the, you know, from the capside and cut the cigar off and start over. But you, other than that, I like, I can't save it. Can you tell us what tunneling is and what canoeing is? Yeah, yeah. So, so tunneling is literally a tunnel in the cigar that goes like from front to back, like from your, from your mouth to the end of the cigar. Uh, it doesn't necessarily go that far. Um, so, if you're familiar with like a Swedish fire or something like that, you know where you where you tunnel a hole in a log and light that. Basically, the draw of the air going through it heats it up super hot. So, when you have a tunnel, you've got a super hot. A section of tobacco and it's not the cross section you know the flavor of the cigar is the wrapper and the binder and the filler the tunnel is typically like in the filler so you have shitty tasting tobacco that's burning super hot you can literally burn your tongue from it and uh unless you can find the end of the tunnel and clip it you know behind it, it you pretty much lost the cigar at that point that was that was super confusing the tunnel tunneling is like uh when the filler's burning but the wrapper's not right no, Nick, you are so full of shit. It's a no. tunnel in the cigar. No, no, tunneling is when the wrapper, when the filler's burning, but the wrapper's not. No, it's smaller than that. <sighs> What's smaller than that? The tunnel is always smaller than that. It's literally impossible for you to burn the filler and not the wrapper. It's a tunnel in the filler. Think like if you took a crochet hook and jammed it in the end of your cigar. I'm calling Marvin Shankin right now, and we're gonna we're gonna ask him. I am calling BS on this whole conversation. And then, all right. So I'm pretty sure that this is a cigar podcast. So why don't we talk about the cigars that we're smoking? (laughs) I'm sure doggone Sean would like us to. That's that's what I've been dreaming for. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Nick. All right. So I am. (laughs) It's just when the whole cigar is burning, except the wrapper. Except the wrapper. It's hanging off like a limp condom. So anyway, uh, I'm smoking the Diazanos. The ten year, and it is so named because of the ten year aged San Andres Maduro wrapper, and uh, I'll say uh, the draw is a little tight for me. You know, kind of my typical uh, thing with these smaller ring gauge box press. It'll probably open up. That's fairly normal uh, for this size, but I'm just in the first three eighths of an inch right now. And uh, what am I tasting right now? So the carrier note is definitely cedar. I've got a strong cedar. Um, I've got, uh, I think, oak and leather. And there's definitely a sweetness in there that I can't quite peg down. But it's kind of like if I took uh, if I took an oak plank and I waved it over a pan of simple syrup that I was making on the stovetop. Um, and, then, and then I took that and I spanked it with a leather belt. And then I walked through the room. While all that was going on, that's kind of what what I'm experiencing. That is the most perfect explanation I think I've ever heard someone say for a <laughs> Diaz Anos, because I felt that. Mm-hmm. I felt that to be truth. Well, I like the uh, I like the strength, so I wouldn't I wouldn't call this a punch you in the back of the throat uh, strength, but it is strong. Um, it's got that mellow smoothness that comes with like a really like well aged. Maduro wrapper, you know, where it's like right. the flavor is so punchy because 
you know, all of the extra shit is gone, you know, with the aging. Right. But well, it's also yeah. smoothed out. Just like, you know, when you age a whiskey for a long time. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It condenses right. the flavor, but it's mellower at the same time. Yeah. So that that's exactly, uh, you know, pretty much in a nutshell what Esteban Carreras is about. It's about creating a, um, you know, as full flavor as you can really be without getting a lot of that punch. You know, we want to make a cigar that's enjoyable, uh, tastes great. You know, and and you don't necessarily need the strength. Now, naturally, that's what occurs. You know, you're going to have a lot of medium body, a lot of medium plus or whatnot. But our goal isn't to, you know, make you green in the face, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm really glad you're enjoying that Diaz Anos. That is one of my favorites. Yeah, this is really good. Um, the, the flavors are complex. They play well together. I'm enjoying it. And uh, Nick, tell us a little bit about your cigar. So this one... <coughs> So this one, it. <coughs> Jesus Christ! I'm not even gonna cut that out of the show. I want everyone to know how I suffer every week. <coughs> you, you poor thing. I need to get you a cough button. Go ahead. This Esteban Carreras uh, Devil's Hand Dark Corojo Limited Edition Maduro Toro is a. Uh, it's like it's surprisingly light for for a Maduro. Um, Definitely very smooth with the wrapper and the fillers. Like the the point of this, I think, like you just alluded to, was is not to wreck you with this cigar. This is not this is not the cigar that you go for when you're looking for a a big bomb. This is it's like it's very nuanced and it's very mellow. Um, straight medium, not even close to full. And what uh, what kind of flavor notes are you picking up there, Nick? There's a hundred percent sweetness going on, but there's also um, like some root earth. Um, I'm definitely getting a lot of like root earthiness to it as well. Interesting. Yeah, and uh, of course you guys cannot see the see the video in our audio only production, but Nick is wearing a pink horizontal pinstripe golf polo with a Kenworth 100 trucker cap. So he looks sharp today. Very presentable. I'm jealous. It's Barbie weekend. It's Barbie weekend. Barbie and Oppenheimer. And uh, I'm wearing my Oppenheimer outfit. So I've got my French cuff shirt with my platinum cuff links. Uh, I'm only wearing three rings today, including my wedding band. And I have my Carrera GT timepiece. No bracelet. With Esteban Carreras. This is your this is your Johnny second place outfit. Yeah, I'm wearing silver tones today. Yeah. So something went wrong. I touched my jewelry and it did not turn to gold. Wow. So you lose the name. I lose the name. And All then, right, doggone Sean. Yes, Tell yes. me about this covenant. Great. So this covenant, fantastic. Though everything in, with Esteban Carreras is fantastic. It's just fantastic in its own different ways. Uh, but with the Covenant here, what I like about this are the flavor notes I get out of it, right? So <clears throat> as I smoke this cigar, uh, I get more notes akin to um, what I get from uh, Dominican tobacco, right? You get rich, robust, dark chocolate, black coffee. Um, you know, that's kind of, that's what I have always got from Dominican cigars, um, and with Nicaraguan cigars, typically, generally, you know, I have you get that naturally sweetness, right? But with this Covenant, it's the exception. It's like it it because it, it's a Nicaraguan cigar, but it tastes to me like a Dominican cigar tastes. So it kind of blows my mind, and um, that's due to the Ometepe Lajero in the filler. So you know, uh, for those that don't know, the Ometepe comes from Lake Nicaragua. It's Ometepe Tobacco on Lake Nicaragua, the volcanic islands of Lake Nicaragua. And I believe that has everything to do with it, as you have that rich volcanic ash uh, mixing it with the soil, causing, uh, you know, uh, allowing for uh, nutrients, great nutrients in the soil, um, you know, to, to, to really enhance that flavor profile in the cigar. Um, it's, a very, um, it's, it's a very good experience. I mean, right now, I'm getting more sick... My apologies. I'm getting more sweetness out of my black coffee from Starbucks 
over this covenant. Like the sweet dominant is whatever is in this black coffee, which is nothing but black coffee, right? So to, um, to give you a little note-by-note note breakdown, right? So I am getting like 100% cocoa dark chocolate with a finish of black coffee, right? Rich, robust. On the retro hail, I'm getting an oak, but it is so smooth. No pepper. Um, that's kind of interesting for a Nicaraguan I know. cigar, right? I know. That, that's what makes it very interesting, right? Because it doesn't have that pop that Nicaraguan cigars usually have, where you get that, you get that pepper, you get a little bit of that spice. Um, you know, especially on the retro hail, right? Mm-hmm. And this is just smooth. It kind of reminds me of our uh, Mr. Brownstone Maduro with the Connecticut Broadleaf uh, Maduro. But, yeah, I mean, so far in this first third here, I'm really enjoying it, as I always do. So the uh, Omotepe is interesting because, you know, this is a, kind of a famous grower's trick. So, like, Armenian brandy among brandy connoisseurs is usually preferred over cognac because of the, like, volcanic mountain soil that the grapes are grown in um, produces a very robust, some would say more rustic, flavor than you get out of like cognac and uh in fact it's so good that during the cold war joseph stalin used to ship over a train car of armenian brandy to winston churchill every year uh, armenia was behind the iron curtain back then uh but if anybody knew his vices it was definitely churchill so stamp of approval right there um and then uh Lajero, so uh for our listeners out there we did have an episode with parts of the tobacco plant. I think it was episode number two or, or three. Um, and there is no missing episode one. That is still a surprise out there for everybody. So uh, you can listen to that. And, of course, that's the top uh, top of the plant where those leaves are harvested. And uh, do you know anything about the harvesting process for these cigars? Are they are they leaving the, the uh, Lajero on the stock longer? Or are they doing stock cut? Uh, do you know how that looks? That's a great question that I cannot answer at this time. I'm sure they're leaving them on the stock. That's kind of more traditional. Some of some of this, uh, we have some new methods nowadays that I think are more branding than anything else. I think stock cut is like, you know, branding to me. Like that doesn't improve anything. Uh, it's a cheaper way to harvest, that's for sure. And then uh, you know, the whole we cut the cut the flowers off, you know, um, or we left the flowers on. Well, I mean. In theory, in theory, like leaving the flowers on, you're going to get a, a pretty different taste because that's like the sex organ of the plant, and it starts produce. They start producing hormones, you know. Um, but I still think it's more marketing than anything else, to be honest with you. Um, but the traditional method, you know, you harvest from the bottom, and uh, the the upper primings, you know, stay on longer, get uh, nice and leathery, wrap around that stalk, look delicious. And then you make a cigar out of them. And in this case, you know, 10 years later, right? So on that note, it is time for our tobacconist tit of the week. Jesus, man. And here's your chief tit, Nicholas McCann. So before the show, everyone, I said, hey, John, we're not doing any segments today, right? And he said, no segments. <laughs> so, right. so there's no segments. Um, I can't. Sometimes when I like think for really hard for ten minutes, I can't even come up with one. So asking me to come up with an, with one off the cuff is really that's tough. Um, no, this was tobacconist tit of the week. Okay. And that's Nick. Here it is. That's it. Yep. He's right here. Yep. All right. Thank you. So uh, on that note, enough fucking around, guys. Jesus, we have actual we have an actual audience out there. <laughs> Um, but why don't we talk about Esteban Carrera's cigars for uh, our audience members out there, Sean? Why don't you share a little bit about the history of the company? I want to know. Of, uh, I want to know who is Esteban Carreras. Who is Esteban Carreras? Yeah, sounds like a, a mystery show. So, uh, to my knowledge, um, Esteban Carreras like was a freedom fighter uh, in um, Cuba. 
allegedly. Um, I'm not 100% sure if he was real or um, like um, kind of someone to give people faith, right? Someone who would go around and help Johnny people Appleseed. that were suffering. Yeah, Johnny Appleseed. Yeah. So um, I'm not, I don't under, I, I don't, um, I'm not fully sure on why it was named Esteban Carreras, but I do think that's interesting how, you know, our uh, creator of this brand didn't choose, you know, his name or, you know, something or whatever. It was like, you know, we're going to pick a freedom fighter who was either, you know, metaphorically real or physically real, uh, who gave hope to the people that suffered during uh, Castro's dictatorship. Um, you know, and... and I, I think that's I think that's that's awesome. I think that's really cool. You know, when you say um, Esteban Carreras, you don't expect it to me it to be something as great as you know a freedom fighter or someone who helped others out in their darkest moments. So I, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, they were gonna name it uh, the Castro, but that was taken already. So <laughs> Esteban Carreras. Um, all right, and and. Uh, the factory is in Esteli, is that correct? Yeah. And Tabacaleras Carreras, which, you know, they're all named Tabacaleras because that's what they are. Um, the uh, corporate offices are in California, is that right, in the United States? So we're, ship, we're, ship, we're shifting over to Tennessee. All right. On. Um, I'm not sure. I, I believe there's still some um, activity in California. But we're slowly um, moving out to uh, Tennessee as as regards to our HQ. Shout out to states that know how to manage and are getting all the business. The great shift, right? Um, all right. So here's what I found interesting. Like, it, so uh, Sean, I'll I'll repeat this. I think our our listeners know, but uh, you know, I traveled for work for some time and have had the privilege of smoking in cigar lounges across, you know, probably a dozen states or so and, you know, form some good relationships and also get a feel for like, you know, what cigars are present in, in different areas. And Carreras has a pretty universal footprint. So the farthest West I've been is like Minnesota. Um, also the farthest North I've been. Um, so mostly like the Eastern half of the U S but Carreras is pretty much in all of the, uh, all of the, uh, cigar shops that I've been in. Um, but I guess people don't know as much about Carreras, right? Like I'll be in conversations and you know, they'll, they'll tell me stories about AJ Fernandez and they'll tell me stories about Fuente and the other Fuente or Perdomo or the other Perdomo or the other Perdomo, you know, or, uh, um, my father, like all of those guys. But when it comes to Carreras, like, and even on the website, like there's not much about them, right? So give us some like juicy inside tidbits that nobody else knows about that's listening to this show. We've been around for, I believe, 17 or 18 years, which is pretty wild. Um, you know, we <clears throat> we put all of our focus on the quality of the cigars. That's just what we do. We focus on the quality to make, uh, <clears throat> to make the cigars, um, you know, the best smoking experience for the customer, for the end consumer, really. Um, the best smoking experience without, you know, breaking the bank. And, uh, Nick, you know, you're a, you're a tobacconist, uh, from, from your perspective, would you still consider, uh, Esteban Carreras to be a boutique cigar brand? That is just a <clears throat> an awful question <laughs> right. to ask. This is we need like a top 10 great debates in the cigar industry. Yeah, what right. constitutes boutique? Yeah. yeah, that's 100% a question that that's tough to answer. <clears throat> um because Esteban has a a pretty lengthy um portfolio. Right. They have generally Sean, I'm going to say you have 10 to 15 different blends, maybe more. A little bit, yeah, more than 15 blends. Oh. Um, so 
when I think of boutique, right, it's it's like stolen throne, right? These guys have three, four blends. Mm-hmm. Um, but Esteban, been in the game for almost 20 years now. But it's like, all right, how many cigars do you make a year, right? That's, that's another thing that I consider when I... I'm being... I'm being told through my headset right now that Esteban Carrera sells 4 million cigars a year, which is great. I, I do think that's boutique side. I think so. Right? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fuzzy line. It's more like an established boutique. Yeah, yeah. It's a... It's a been around for 17, 18 years, right? So. Yeah. It's, I think, honestly, I'm just going to shift the metric to how many Instagram followers do they have. And if they have less than a certain amount of Instagram followers, they're boutique. And if they have more, then they're not boutique. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a fuzzy line. I think it's fair to call them a, a boutique brand. I mean, it's just we had that whole episode on, like, the structure of the industry. And it's like, oh, this brand is owned by this company, which is owned by... And ultimately, you get up to, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, even Altidus has a parent company. It's like, yeah. fuck. I thought Altidus was, like, you know a big player well they are but they're part of an even bigger player so owned by the united nations yes exactly you know like oh half their revenue comes from dubai you know it's like fuck you know um so i'll give some inside baseball to everybody um the uh factory in esteli is run by gonzalo puentes and uh he actually worked for the ministry of agriculture in cuba um so that's a little inside baseball for people that want to know. Is Gonzalo the master blender? Dude, he is. He's, he's awesome. Sean, Sean, had a, awesome. Sean had the opportunity to, to take a trip down to Esteli and visit Tabacalera Carreras. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to tell us about that trip, man? That, that was pretty recent, right? So let me tell you about Gonzalo, right? He has learned so much about tobacco in his life. That he has forgot more tobacco than any of us will ever learn about tobacco. Nice. It is the most mind-blowing thing to think about. I'll tell you that right now. He's also the kindest person I've ever met in my life. And the most patient person. He's fantastic. And he makes really good cigars. (laughs) I mean, really. Yeah, and... uh, You know, basically the story of Puentes was... You know, as the minister of agriculture, basically uh, uh, he was tasked by the regime with developing like improved Corojo seeds. And so, you know, this was pre-hybridization and, you know, lab seeds. And so or I should say GMO hybridization. You can hybridize through selective breeding, which is what they did. So they were supposed to take like the five strongest plants and breed them. And then do that again, and then do that again, you know, and, and develop this. And uh, what they did was, uh, instead of giving those best seeds to the Cuban government, they actually smuggled them out and grew them in uh, Ecuador and Nicaragua. And that's the story of the devil's hand. And that's the story of the devil's hand. Um, I guess the only other uh, inside baseball that I have to offer everybody is that Craig Cunningham is the owner. Um, so now you know a name. That is a very Anglo name for a, a very uh, a very Mesoamerican cigar. Lord Lord Cunningham. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Lord Cunningham is the owner. Yeah. But we have a we we have someone that actually knows what he's doing. Right. To, to do the blends from the factory. His so name's that, Gonzalo. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Craig, I I apologize. Uh, that's totally unfair. But anyway, uh, so that's the owner and the master blender and the guy that runs the factory. Um, so now you know a little bit about Esteban Carreras. So I hope uh, that was helpful for folks. So Sean, Sean, you went down. You have been busy traveling recently. I know you do a lot of traveling in your territory, but you've been out west to Vegas at um, PCA, and uh, and also to Esteli in the in the past four months. Um, how was? How, so, so tell us, you told me a story last night about um, rolling last night. You, you learned how to roll cigars in, in, uh, in the factory in Esteli. Can you tell me about uh, what happened there? Sure. So, <laughs> and, and I'll tell you, it, it's, it's a prime example of you don't know how difficult something is until you do it yourself, right? With cigars, rolling cigars, I was like, yeah, you know, it's 
difficult. I've seen people do it, but I mean, they move fast. So how hard can it be? Um, you know. So I'm like, you know, I I ask I ask the big boss. I'm like, hey, um, can I ask Gonzalo to teach me how to make a cigar? He's like, yeah, sure. You know, go go over there. I'm like, okay, cool. So you know, and they they set me up with two of the head honchos of the uh, uh, of our factory. And I sit down, and there was a huge language barrier, as I don't know much Spanish, and they don't know much English, but they have so much knowledge to share, and I have no idea what I was doing. So I was able to produce, working so hard, uh, but I can't even say I produced them because I was helped so heavily. Um, I think... Eight cigars in like three and a half hours, right? And I was I was confident about. It. I was feeling good. I'm like, yeah, dude. Look, I did my own cigars, man. It didn't take too long, probably. You know, I'm probably on par with these guys, maybe. No, man, no. These these guys. No, they make eight hours, four hundred, five hundred cigars. I was getting laughed at because <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? What am I doing? You know, and I'm trying, and they're trying to help me. So, and again, you know, those guys, they were patient, so patient and so kind. When you have this man who is just oblivious to anything, right? I looked like I wasn't even listening to what they were saying due to language barrier, but they were just so patient. They were so kind, um, you know, and they pretty much, essentially, how I like to think of it, I didn't roll eight cigars, they did with my hands. Um, so it, it was now, you know, you, you, you find a newfound respect, you know, I respected rollers before, don't get me wrong. I understood it was difficult. I just thought I could catch on easier and quicker. No, no, that is a skill. That's a skill that you learn through rinse and repeat. You, you really got to work hard with that to get that down. Because a lot of the guys down there, they've been rolling since ten, eight, nine. Right, right. Yeah, I know. I know a couple of folks that have grown up in tobacco growing regions. They're like, "Yeah, I picked my first plant at seven years old." Yeah. All right, man. That's that's really cool. I smoked my first cigar at like twenty one. Right, right. Yeah. And yeah. They're like, dude, I was born with a cigar in my hand. I got nicotine poisoning at age three. Yeah. Harvesting plants. Yeah. But I didn't. I survived it. And unknown to Sean, we actually had. Um, a guy down there recording um, all of this, and we wanted to share with you some of the audio from Sean's experience down there in Nicaragua. Burnline exclusive, I think. Buenos dias. Me llamo Gonzalo. Yo quiero Taco Bell. Estás bien? Viva la chalupa. And that is all the audio that we were able to capture from Sean's time down there. It sounds like you were fitting right in with the uh, with the Spanish. All the Taco Bell and Chupa stuff was Sean said it, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that, that that was the Sean side. And oh. Gonzalo was trying to teach him. Yeah. Well, I told you I don't know Spanish that well. I don't know that. It sounded like you had it mastered right there. I, I'll tell you what, man. Well, there, I'm, you know, there's some there's some muffed explanation. You know, muff muff. It doesn't syllables. translate right. Yeah. It doesn't translate what. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I may be. Compared to that of a gringo. You were taken out of context. <laughs> yeah, we we uh, definitely have a gringo in the in the studio. According to Angel. The funny the f- all right, anyway. Um so speaking of Sean asking for Taco Bell, um I heard an awesome story about Sean about a week ago from uh, someone else that I'm not gonna name. And uh, Sean took a trip out to Vegas with the company with Esteban for PCA, and it's in it's in Vegas, man, Sin City. You know, you got Gordon, Gordon Ramsay has a restaurant there. Wolfgang Puck has a restaurant there. What what happens in Vegas stays on Burnline Podcast. Is that what is happened? That where we're going yeah, with this? Yeah, what happened? <laughs> what no? Um, and and the story goes that Sean's coworkers at Esteban said, "Hey, Sean, we're going to go out later to dinner." What are you interested in? What what kind of food do you like? What do you want to eat? And uh, and allegedly, Sean replied, "I want a ham sandwich." 
<laughs> how um, many uh, how many beers in were we at that point? <laughs> this was I think this was like 11 a.m. maybe on the trade show floor. <laughs> nice. And they said, no, man, come on. Like, we're going to Gordon Ramsay's restaurant tonight, man. Like, what do you want? What do you what are you thinking about getting? And he he doubled down. He ham, said, I want to I want a ham sandwich and American cheese. Um, and so this is the legend began of uh, this is the ham sandwich rep now. And Gordon Ramsay made him yep. a ham sandwich by yep. hand yeah. at the table. He car- hand he, rolled. He, he brought the ham out. He carved it. Carved it. It was an Ibera. First, I want to say Nick is a liar. <laughs> He's a punk face liar. A that is not true liar. at all. Wow. I only eat the most luxurious things. Um, well, you'll fit fit right in with this crowd then. Most luxurious. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He's completely right. He's not a punk face liar. That's fucking awesome. You know, I'll, and meanwhile, like back in the kitchen, they're like. Finally, someone that's not a pretentious yeah. asshole this just wants a ham sandwich. I just Thank want God. a ham and cheese, please. Yeah. Yeah. Sir, we don't have that. Eh, you can find one. How um, hard is it? This is just a cured pig and some fermented that's all milk. all it is. I just need some Hillshire Farms cold cuts right now. <laughs> that's it. Uh, We've been sitting on this boar's head order for three years. Right, right, right. <laughs> Damn it. It's not rocket science. It's just a ham sandwich, guys. So, so okay. This is my take, right? And we, we can mix this up with cigars too, right? You know? You like what you know. You know what you like. Right, uh, right. You know, it's something simple. You know, it's like a daily cigar. Sure. It's like a great daily cigar, like, I don't know, like a Esteban Carreras Chupacabra Maduro. Or an Esteban Carreras Diaz Anos, even. Um, you know, it's just one of those things that, you can never go wrong with whether it's Hillshire Farms or Boar's Head or Gordon Ramsay, you know, cut from his own hand, just torn perfectly into perfectly sliced pieces of ham. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those you can never get it wrong. You know, now sometimes when you get peanut butter and jelly, you can get that wrong. Uh, or <laughs> why did um, you look at Nick when you said that? I feel like there's a story here. Uh, yeah, you know the the beauty of the beauty of this hobby is it is so personal. You know, it's based on your individual talent, uh, palate, and you know what you like. Um, on the other hand, though, nobody's going to eat a shit sandwich, right? Just like nobody would daily an acid. My, is that, is that <laughs> no, <laughs> got my got, got my weekly lick in on acids. <laughs> yeah, well, Hawaiian. I mean, Hawaiian breeze. Esteban Carreras. Esteban Carreras actually makes an acid. Uh, comp- I'd call it a competitor, acid competitor for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah the the Hawaiian Breeze. Hawaiian Breeze are very popular they, here. They are popular. Uh, yeah, Union Cigar. They have latte, cognac, vanilla, and purple haze, which is the that one is the honestly that one's the best seller. Purple haze is the best seller. It's supposed to be the groovy blue of that's how they were described to me. Tatiana makes a cigar called Groovy Blue, and it, purple haze is supposed to be the groovy blue of Hawaiian Breeze. Have you heard this before? Well, now you have. Now everyone has. It's out there in the world. Something that no one else should know. God, what is wrong with you, Nick? Jesus Christ. I mean, it's not hard to put a muffler on it. God. I'm looking at our stats right now. We have 17.5 million listeners in 278 countries. Great, Nick. Great. Looks like uh, two people tuned in from Antarctica last month. That so. is Fantastic. And you're listening to Burnline Podcast, Uncommon Cigar Knowledge for the Common Cigar Smoker. And uh, if you are in Antarctica listening to us, we are raising a nice warm cigar. Stay warm. Stay, Stay warm, away from friends. the bears. Don't try to pet them. Yeah. So, well, that should be easy because the bears are on the other side of the, the world. So, What? Uh, yeah, like Alaska, Ant- Alaska? You're saying people are... It, it, wait, wait. Did you say... Yeah, like Did Ant- I mishear you? Did you say Antarctica? There's Antarctica. two listeners in Antarctica? Yeah, it's a continent. Like, there's land there. The Arctic doesn't have land. Or yeah, penguins. But, oh, but you know what? You know what? There's polar bears. Bears on the top, penguins on the bottom. Mm, allegedly. 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 Yeah, I mean, you never know with these conspiracies nowadays. You never know. You're like, what is the establishment telling us? I mean, I'll bet you if you actually go to Antarctica, there's even palm trees and stuff. It's a wall. It's an ice wall. 
Yeah, there's this big ice wall. And then the rest, you have the rest, like you have, that's where Atlantis is beyond the wall. That's where... The undead walkers are? The undead walkers are behind behind the, the wall, you know? So you got to keep the wall, like, you know, the, they have the watchmen that they send over there instead of sending life sentences, spending life sentences. Yeah, the watchmen. It's great. But Meanwhile, I back Hawaiian in Cigarland. <laughs> which, which, it's a polar opposite to Antarctica. It's a nice Hawaiian breeze. No, the breeze. Arctic is the polar opposite of Antarctica. We talked about this. Oh, my Lanta. I digress. Hawaiian breeze. All right, so Hawaiian breeze, a nice flavored cigar for people who like flavored cigars. But what's great, too, with the Hawaiian breeze, right? Like, again, like, this is why I enjoy working for this company because I like everything that they make, which is difficult to find, um, at least for me, right? So with the Hawaiian breeze, what's interesting with that, it's not just a flavored cigar. While as you're smoking it, you just get the flavors of that flavored cigar, Whatever it's meant to taste, that's what you taste, right? With the Hawaiian Breeze, again, it's a premium cigar. We use high-quality tobacco to produce those with medium filler rather than short filler. Um, And I actually get regular cigar notes with a hint of the flavor of of which it's called. Like the flavor is being carried to you on a Hawaiian Breeze. That's the most I should work for marketing. Beautiful thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> so why don't we uh, touch back on these cigars as we uh, start to wrap up the show? And I am uh, in the last third. I probably have an uh, inch and five eighths left on my Diaz Años. No, uh, I'll I'll burn I'll burn the card tabletop if I uh, if I try that. Um, the so. There's a little bit of pepper, like that's picked up. It's gotten a little, a little hotter. Um, other than that, the uh, flavor notes are carrying through. Um, again, uh, a, a really nice mixture of, you know, some of your like earth wood, you know, that kind of like strong masculine cigar with sweetness on top of it. Um, really enjoying it, and I think the, I think the sweetness is interacting with the, with the pepper to kind of have a cinnamon type of uh, note to it, or maybe cinnamon red hots. Uh, so interesting smoke and quite delicious. have enjoyed it so far. Uh, Nick, why don't you tell us about your cigar? So I'm, I'm going to say halfway through, and it's progressed. The flavors have progressed to uh, more of a like a smoky campfire um, with that hint of sweetness that I was talking about at the beginning and still that root, that earth root. Um, so barnyard... Um, burning wood, smokiness, and uh, a little, little, little bit of sweetness too, but still medium, really solid medium, but for a Maduro. And what uh, cigar are you smoking? Esteban Carreras, Devil's Hand. Full thing, nice and slow and dramatic. Esteban Carreras, Devil's Hand, Dark Corojo Maduro, limited edition Toro. All right, that was a mouthful. And doggone Sean, tell us about your cigar. So, this Covenant, right? On the retro hail, I get pepper, uh, like a cayenne pepper. But it finishes sweet. And then on the palate, I get more of a spice. Not as potent as a pepper. More mellow. Um... The wood's still there. The chocolate is still there. I'd say it's more of a milk chocolate-esque as you have that creamy sweetness to it, but it's still chocolatey, right? It still has that distinctive note, um, as well as the coffee. You know, the coffee isn't as prominently strong. Um, but all in all, I am very much enjoying this. All right. So those are the three Esteban Carreras cigars that we're smoking on this episode. And we encourage all of our listeners, if you're not familiar with the Esteban Carreras line, to go out there and grab you a stick or two, see if it fits into your wheelhouse uh, and palate. Uh, again, there's a pretty broad range here. So we've got, uh, we've got a whole bunch of cigars sitting on the table. I shot some of those pictures out to the Grahams. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media, uh, Twitter, 
Threads, uh, Instagram, at Burnline Podcast. And, uh, you know, as we said, we've got uh, Connecticut's, we've got Maduro's, we've got, there's the Hawaiian Breeze, if you like infused cigars. Uh, so quite a bit of options to choose from. So pick you out a stick or two, see if uh, that works in your regular rotation. Let us know what you think and drop us a line at burnlinepodcast at gmail.com and uh, let us know what you think. And we will uh, share your comments on the show if you want us to. If you don't, let us know. So, uh, Nick. What? As a certified retail tobacconist, yeah. uh, tell us about the sales side of Esteban Carreras. Where, where does this fit in your portfolio and kind of sales model? Interesting. Um, so Esteban is uh, a really solid cigar that um, you've probably never heard of. A lot of the guys that come in asking for Romeo, Ashton, Oliva, Drew Estate, right? Kind of Esteban flies under the radar for them. And so Esteban is my go-to a lot of the time when they say, oh, I like so-and-so Undercrown. Right, right. But I want to try something new, something that I've never had before. Um, and a lot of people, in my experience, ha- have never had Esteban Carrera cigars. Um, and I think it's an ap- approachable price point, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think the this most recent one, the one that I'm smoking right now, the Devil's Hand Maduro, is the most pricey. Um, and the newest one, but they have, um, stuff, you know, around the seven, $8 price point for a six sixty, Right. Um, and they have, you know, six, what the wrecking balls is six eighty. They have six eighty for 11 and a quarter. So if you like the big gauge, um, Esteban's also a huge, a really good company for that. They, they make a lot of really good big gauge cigars. Well, the other thing too, and I think what strays people away is honestly when you see the lower price. I think from a consumer's perspective, when I would be looking at cigars, you know, I look for the price point. You know, if I see a cigar that I really like, and this may just be me, I may just be a a little weirdo, but uh, when when I'm looking at cigars and I like a specific cigar and I know the price point of that specific cigar, I go and think, okay, so anything below that is gonna be lower quality. So I avoid cigars that may be lower in price. Yeah, you know, um, I don't think that makes you a weirdo. Like I think that's like they teach this in marketing school, right? So you know, uh, th- there's a real thing. Like you know, you take a, a BMW 2 Series Gran Turismo, and like it's a front wheel drive, you know, Volkswagen that's a little less reliable, but they charge fifteen thousand dollars more for it, and people think it's better. Right, so it's it's a real yeah. it's a real marketing no that that scheme right? that's true. So, like with the Esteban Carrera stuff, it's just one of those things that you try it once, and so long as it fits your flavor, your your uh, your palate from things you enjoy, which Nick can definitely point you in the right direction to, if you come to the Union store or, or the I'm sorry the uh, Hanover store, the Gettysburg store, they have great selection, um, and you'll you'll easily get any rotation. You know, like I said, when on, in the consumer's perspective, as I'm walking around stores, if I see something lower than what I'm used to, I think immediately it's going to be a lower quality product. But working for this company, I've learned that that is not true, and that actually helps my um, my consumer habits now. Because when I'm out and about, you know, um, if I see something like a cigar that may be lower than a price point I'm used to or whatever it is, I check it out and I like it. Yeah. And of course at uh, Burnline, we're constantly talking about value. In fact, that's one of the metrics we rate cigars on. And uh, I would say the Carreras line is a pretty good value. You get a good amount of good tobacco for the price. And we've got, uh, like I said, a selection on the table. We've got uh, pricings on here from 850 to 1050 to what, 13 or so for, uh, for the bad boy, twelve fifty, yeah. Um, yeah, so so very approachable. Um, you know, contrast that with uh, the numero uno. You know, at eighteen seventy five. Um, you know, so pretty good, uh, pretty good approachable price point. If uh, folks are looking to try something new and and branch out, uh, I think it's a great uh, great option. That you know, it's not. If I see a twenty five dollar cigar, 
I mean, honestly, like I've got a budget for that. You know, I'm not, I'm not just picking that up on a whim. Sometimes I do cause I'm a dumbass, but most of the time, you know, there's some hesitation and instead of a $10 cigar where I'm just going to try it today, you know? So pick one up. You might like it. And, uh, I think that is about it. Sean, Sean Quay from Esteban Carreras. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me. I very much appreciate it. For all of you guys out there in the interwebs, this is Johnny Midas, Nick the Brick, and Sean Quay signing off for Burnline Podcast. See you again next week. <laughs>